Tripathar Chinavasen is the co-founder at the Virtual Reality Fund. He is a speaker, mentor, investor, advisor, and the best part is you also build content, right? You also build interactive and uh, immersive content. So, for my listeners who don't know much about you, can you share a brief on you and what, as an investor, caught your interest in AR VR MR? Uh, and we're actually called the Venture Reality Fund, not the Virtual Reality Fund. A lot of people confuse that, but uh, it, we call it the Venture Reality Fund because we always wanted to invest in virtual reality and augmented reality. And we, again, feel that spatial computing is really the next computing platform. So, uh, you know, again, thank you for having me on. Really excited to, to talk with you and, your, and uh, you know, promote or explain, you know, kind of some of the things that I've been seeing uh, and share some some of the wisdom I've gained for the past four years of investing in the space. But my journey actually started as a artist and designer. So I come from being a 3D artist, self-taught, uh, working in games and you know, interactive entertainment. I studied human computer interaction design or UX at Stanford University. You know, I really just fell in love with the idea of how computers were evolving as a, you know, as a platform or as a medium and everything that it enabled like you know i think uh yeah i like to think of it as you know computers first started as computation engines now we've turned into communication engines and now we're going to become reality engines and that's really you know the evolution of, of, of what i see this technology becoming and the digital world kind of merging with the analog world in a more naturalistic way um yeah so for me I was always just drawn to interactive gaming. I always felt like that was, you know, animation was the first sense of like magic I ever saw where you could just take still images and breathe life into them. But then with gaming, like you could actually make them interactive. You could control them and manipulate them. And so seeing like as this canvas to create magic on, uh, you know, I think virtual uh, virtual reality, when I tried it in the eighties and, you know, how it's always talked about in uh, literature, science fiction, and movies, you know, always was the promise, the dream. And then when Oculus had their Kickstarter, it really was like, okay, um, is this finally possible? We've been burnt so many times. But, you know, John Carmack, who is like the, you know, gaming graphics, gaming engine god, if he says that this is something worth checking out, it's definitely something I want to check out. So I backed the Kickstarter. I got it. And, uh, you know, especially with the DK2 and eventually later on with the HTC Vive, like virtual reality was even more amazing than I ever dreamt it was going to be. And, you know, again, as my background as a designer, developer, prototyper, uh, artist, I, I started making experiments, just, you know, simple experiments to just kind of push what I think could be interesting in this new medium. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the experiences was, of course, trying to recreate scenes from my favorite movie, The Matrix. And instead of watching the movie, you get to live the movie. You are Neo. You talk to Morpheus as he you know, takes you on this kind of immersive presentation that the world is an illusion. Uh, and then you do things like, you know, dodge bullets and bullet time and jump over buildings. And so, I, you know, just trying to make a fun, simple experience with a couple friends of mine nights and weekends, just for the heck of it. And this was for the DK2. So, you know, like, you know, we, we weren't worried about like copyright infringement because we weren't going to charge. This is just something that we wanted to do as fans and also to kind of see what, you know, what VR could be. And in the process of making, you know, a, a fun experience, I accidentally cured myself of my real life fear of heights. And so I actually hacked my brain 
and, and uh, you know, that really just showed me the power of, you know, VR, and, and that this wasn't just going to be about gaming, that this was going to have profound implications for, you know, how we learn, how we train, how we heal, uh, you know, how we work, so many different areas. Uh, and so that's when I decided, you know, I wanted to go all in on this technology and this platform and medium and really kind of see what it could do and what it could become. Lovely. How cool is that? So like you, my background has been in, in, in the media space. But basically, I started as a as a musician. So I've played for a rock band for 15 years. I've composed for a oh, nice. Bollywood, Bollywood feature film. So I have a I have an audio production studio and a video production studio. So I build basically content for advertising agencies, production houses and stuff like that. Back in 2016, some, a client of mine asked me if I could get into virtual reality, if I could build VR content for them. And these guys, these guys are like a pretty big company. And that's when I actually discovered VR. And from that point of time, I mean, I actually stopped music, you know, because I think virtual reality is like a rabbit hole, you know, if you, the, the more you get inside, the deeper it takes you. And like you, I, I, I am, my favorite movie happens to be Matrix, right? So, so yes, I mean, that the plot of the movie is, is so super awesome. And the more you discover VR, like you said, I mean, it, it cured you, cured you of your, the fear of your, the phobia of your height. Now, now it, VR is in such a nascent stage, but it's so profound because it's, it's, it, it, it's not just for entertainment and gaming. I mean, it is at this point in time, but what it can do is, is unfathomable at this point in time. Because even right now, when, when, when it's in such a nascent stage, it tricks your motor cortex, you know? So, yep. so it, I, 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 I spend my time thinking of the future. What will it be able to do in maybe another 15 years, maybe a 30 years, maybe a 50 years, how, how a world will transform with this technology. So that's the reason I got into it and I'm super excited about it. And that's the reason I've been push driving the ecosystem and evangelizing India about AR, VR, MR. So, so today, presently, we are all confined to homes because of COVID-19, right? And, and VR has all the capabilities locked in into it to, you know, push drive the conversation when it comes to remote work, remote healthcare, you know, remote education, remote media, remote everything, right? But we seem to have missed the opportunity which this natural disaster presented, right? So somehow, if you see your 2D platforms like Zoom and others have still capitalized on this opportunity, wherein virtual reality, which holds that entire potential to transform remote work is somehow, I feel it's my personal opinion. I could be completely wrong. Do kindly correct me and do, do kindly share your views. Well, you're, you're not completely wrong, but I think part of it too is like just looking at the realities of where we're at, right? Like, uh, yeah, we're hardware constrained. There's definitely not enough headsets in the marketplace and there's been a huge demand for headsets, but, you know, Facebook in, you know, in their calls, in their earnings calls have said they just can't make enough of them, right? They're selling as many as they can make. And, you know, COVID has actually impacted a lot of the supply chain that affects not just VR, but all consumer electronics or just all products in general and manufacturing lines that, you know, depend on Asia and are kind of global. And so, you know, so in that one sense, you know, we are not seeing like crazy huge adoption. But then what's really interesting though, is that we are seeing adoption where it matters and for the people that have it we're seeing increased usage so a couple of like you know interesting things especially on the enterprise side right like we have uh ford they are they continue to do design work 
doing remote work and remote collaboration using VR, using VR tools, right? Like, so that, that's showing like, okay, like, you know, even in this pandemic, people have to work from home. There are certain jobs that they can't do over Zoom. And those are the ones that really depend on for, so uh, yeah, I, I don't say, I don't think, again, it, it's a one size fits all, VR is gonna replace Zoom. You know, it's like, no, we still have, you know, regular phone meetings, even like audio meetings. We don't always make everything a video meeting even, right? Like, so it's like figuring out where it matters or where it makes the difference and kind of see how it's working. And for me too, I, I look at like, what's the engagement, retention, what's the long-term usage? And we're just seeing amazing usage patterns for the people, again, where it's, us, where it's more about collaboration and less about communication. But then on the other side, on the consumer side, it's been very, very amazing to see as well, because now, you know, there are enough headsets out there that the software market for VR, consumer software market, uh, by the end of last year was over $300 million. Mm -hmm. And what's really great about that is, you know, we can see a hit VR game make over $60 million. I honestly think that, you know, doing the projection, doing the math, we should see our first 100 uh, VR title making $100 million by the end of this year. And it might be even two different titles. Like, that's amazing, right? So, you know, when we say, where are we in this industry and in this journey, right? Like, I, th I think a lot of people always expect things to go faster, faster, faster. But, you know, I always kind of took at this as we're the beginning of this journey. And it's not an upgrade. It's a, it's, a, it's a shift, right? So we're not going from phones to smartphones. We're going from no phones to phones. We're going from no PCs to PCs. We're going from no VR to VR, right? And so what we're seeing is, Again, this is a much bigger journey, but uh, you know, one way I would look at this, you know, talking about those numbers, especially for consumer adoption, right? Uh, going back to the smartphones, right? I, I feel like most people would agree Angry Birds was that watershed moment for smartphone gaming. When Angry Birds succeeded, everyone said, yes, uh, you know, mobile gaming on the smartphone was going to be a thing, going to be a huge industry, and that people should really you know, invest in it and uh, you know, build in it. And you know, we look back at the, at the iPhone, and it was three years until there was an Angry Bird, right? Like three years into the, after the release of the first iPhone. And it made about, it was like 7.5, I, I would say, let's say nine to 10 million adjusted for inflation. It made about 10 million its first year, Angry Birds. And that was enough to prove that the, that the mobile phone smart gaming industry was gonna be big. So three years into VR's consumer life cycle since the launch of uh, you know, consumer VR with the Oculus Rift. And again, I'm focusing, sorry, I just wanna be very clear too. When I talk about VR, I specifically talk about six degrees of freedom VR because I think that's very important to have six degrees of freedom, head tracking, and then the six degrees of freedom, where are my controllers? Hand tracking, right, which right, is right. So, so crucial to create uh, enough functionality to create sticky uh, uh, experiences. But so three years into the launch of consumer VR, a tiny company that was self-published uh, called Beat Games, they made a game called Beat Saber. It did 20 million in its first year. Right, right. And so when people are like, oh, hey, VR struggling, VR is dead. I'm like, hey, if an unheard of team from the Czech Republic can make, you know, can make a huge hit, make over 20 million its first year, doubling that, making over 40 million its second year, like, and then get acquired by Facebook, like, that's amazing. And so, you know, again, we're still early, but we're seeing tremendous signs of adoption, traction, growth. 
Now, you know, is this a trillion dollar business overnight? No. But has there ever been a trillion dollar business overnight? No. And again, you know, I think people are like waiting for the VR's, you know, iPhone moment. But again, if we think about this isn't, you know, the first VR devices to come out were more like the Motorola brick phone. <laughs> and it's going to be a long journey till we get to that iPhone ubiquity. But at the same time, you know, we're seeing huge successes. We're seeing, you know, companies making real money. We're seeing, you know, millions of people now being trained in VR every year. Uh, by Walmart and DHL and other you know, Fortune 500 companies. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like VR has already proven itself beyond the point where people can say, oh, VR is dead or, oh, hey, VR, you know, isn't it like 3D TV? We're like, no, 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 no. Thank you for being so detailed. And yes, I completely am with you. I mean, I do understand since I'm vested in the space, I know about this potential and what I can do. Yes, I, I do know that there are there is a little bit of over expectation from a technology which is still in a nascent stage, but I guess that is a human tendency, right? So, so uh, just just right now, I heard that Roni uh, Abowitz, uh, Magic Leap CEO, is stepping down, right? A little disturbing, but but uh, do you think this is going to shake up the perception? What I mean is, like you know, they recently laid off uh, their their. Um, thousand people. Yeah, a yeah, thousand odd people, right? Yep. And you know, magically, was that company where you know wherever you talk to, I mean, wherever you go, you conference or you know you you, you talk mm -hmm. talk, you give an example about ARVR, you say, oh, that was magically, you know, four billion dollar funding without a prototype and things like that. So there was this huge hype. Now suddenly that thing is uh, completely crashed out. Do you think this is gonna? Uh, mess around with the perception of, of, of what general or people might have about AR VR. No, uh, I mean honestly, like when we think back about smartphones, right? Do you remember a company called General Magic? It was a huge company that believed in pocket computing, like pretty much everything that would become a smartphone, right? Like they were the you know big pioneers. They you know huge vision, big IPO failed and is written out of the history books now right like no one really knows about it. but again that team like andy rubin who was the father of android right. was working at general Mac. like so there's a lot of that dna like it, it, even though it kind of quote unquote flamed out as a business the uh you know what it did the revolution that it started lived on you know through its uh, the talent that it had put through its doors and you know all of the you know kind of pioneering efforts that it had done i mean you know in the same way i would look at okay the apple newton who remembers the apple newton right like everyone's like oh my god what a disaster by you know a pretty big company at the time like oh my gosh what what's going to happen and apple is fine iphone exists like you know so it's like their, their products are going to fail right uh you know not, not every product wins and not every company can succeed no matter how much they raise uh it, i think it just shows again how hard this is to do mm -hmm. and you know I, I think right now, I think a lot of people are, you know, uh, backseat quarterbacking, armchair quarterbacking, or, uh, you know, magic leap and what they're doing. And, and, you know, it's hard. Like, they needed a lot of money to try to do what they did. You know, the product, you know, definitely didn't live up to a lot of the hype and the expectations that they set. But, you know, at the same time, you know, they actually brought a product out to market. You know, they, they did what, you know, they did something, right? They moved mm -hmm. the conversation forward. And it, it's not like they were the only one i mean honestly they were probably one of the smallest players in the vr ar ecosystem right if you think about who they were competing against they're competing against facebook they're competing against google they're competing against microsoft they're competing against apple 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Like, I I don't, I don't want to diminish, you know, I I appreciate their vision. I appreciate the hard work and there are a lot of great talented folks there. Right. Right. Uh, And and I think, you know, again, their failure, I don't want to take it lightly, but at the same time, it's not, they weren't the, you know, everyone didn't look at them and say, oh yeah, they are absolutely the Kings and this is it. And this is our one shot for AR. No, 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 no. I mean, if you, yeah, anyone that tried HoloLens and especially HoloLens too realized, yeah, I mean, Microsoft's in this to win this. Uh, and you know, you look at what Facebook has been doing too, like you know, everything that they've invested into Oculus and you know, bringing that. And then now, you know, as they were talking talking about like showing off that remote work with the mixed reality, you know, you're like, yes, this is their aspirations. It's not just VR; it's for the whole VR AR spectrum of spatial computing. And you know, you can see magically. Uh, you know, struggling because they haven't failed yet. They, you know, they're pivoting. You know, Roni left, but you know, they did raise more money. They're pivoting in enterprise. We'll see how they do. But at the same time, you know, it's like that's not stopping any of these other giant tel- uh, technology companies from doing it. That's not stopping you know a bunch of startups creating you know applications and you know winning customers and making revenue. So yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, I mean, you know, I mean, there there are some startups over here who are doing some crazy stuff, and 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 you never know. I mean, you know, you uh, maybe maybe some small startup from here could or anywhere around the world could do some you know could be just be the next big company in the AR VR space. So you know, COVID nineteen has impacted everyone at this point of time. So what do you think is the general sentiment of investors? Are they going to be waiting and watching? Are they going to be investing? Because I was just talking to a friend of mine who is an investor, and he just invests in future tech, not just in the VR space. And he 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 takes the complete opposite approach. So his his line is, you know, where the world is zigging, I, I zag, right? So I mean, if you see, I mean, you know, in two thousand eight, also, you know, when there was a downtown downturn, there are a lot of people who turned millionaires by, you know, doing the opposite. So what uh, what is your your sentiment? And what is the general sentiment that you see among your peers, you know, when it comes to investing in the AR, VR space during COVID? Sure. I, I mean, I think at the same time, I don't think it's, I think one way I, I would think about it too is this, like people, you know, because we're going through COVID right now, we're not done with it yet. We have no idea when this pandemic is going to end, right? We don't know when the vaccine is going to be available. We don't know when the new normal, what that really is going to look like, you know, how many people are going to be permanently working from home versus how many people are, you know, just temporarily working from home, right? Like, so, so because we have all these unknowns, we can't really make any kind of strong, oh yeah, this is the future we have to build or plan for, right? But I think we can, uh, so because of that uncertainty, I think it's much harder to say, okay, everyone's, yes, we know what we're going to do or we know what we need to build for. But I think we can look at some trends that were happening and, and see that uh, COVID has accelerated those trends. Like remote work was something that was trending up anyways, right? And then COVID accelerated it. And then, you know, it'll probably go back down, but the plateau of the new normal will still probably be more, more remote work than before, right? And still trending towards more remote work. So, you know, Investors, I think, aren't saying, hey, we need to invest in VR, we need to invest in AR, but they're saying, hey, we need to look at solutions that solve these problems. And if VR is the right solution for certain remote work, absolutely, or for remote training, absolutely. And what's, what, what's great is what we're seeing is it's being validated. We're seeing you know, VR being used to train the doctors with the latest you know, COVID, te- uh, you know, uh, COVID um, preparedness techniques are the newest ways to treat or interact in a 
post-COVID world in the hospital, and especially for a lot of these med students that are being pushed early to become doctors, or a lot of these um, retired doctors who don't know the latest protocols having to come back to work, or also too, like a lot of doctors in different practices that hadn't gone to the ER or hadn't done ICU work and now have to. Like, so we're seeing VR being essential for training that. You know, we're also seeing AR being essential for uh, life sciences. One of our portfolio companies are called uh, Apprentice. They have a remote collaboration solution for pharmaceutical labs. And they're actually being used to help develop COVID vaccines. And so, uh, you know, what, what I would say, you know, again, is uh, I think this time what we're, what I'm seeing at least is, uh, you know, there are a lot of ideas that no longer makes, or that yeah, definitely that no longer makes sense now. There are a lot of ideas that may make sense, but it's uncertain. But then there's definitely some ideas that, oh my gosh, they're so needed in this new world moving forward. And so I feel like those investments are going into those ideas and, some of them happen to be VR and AR, not all of them, of course. But, you know, again, it's about saying, you know, it's not just about the technology, really. It's about this problem that you're solving. Right, right. And so, so I, I've been talking to a lot of people, you know, I mean, besides this podcast, I also run another podcast called Change Sounds from India, where I, I interact with, you know, people who are uh, driving the, the future tech conversation, right? So, yes, I mean, somehow all have been extremely positive because they see that this has actually accelerated digital, uh, uh, you know, fall forward, you know, education industry, you know, be it enterprise or, you know, there are, there, there are, there are people who are, who are, who are you know, at, for first we were saying, okay, let's let's just get electric vehicles over here. But then there are this group of people who are trying to push like, autonomous vehicles and there's drones for delivery and stuff like that. So yes, I mean, at least they are they are now, oh, you know, saying, okay, I mean, you know, we, we can do this right now rather than waiting. So so yeah, it's, it looks exciting. You know, it looks like an exciting time. So so you know, you you, you mentioned about Beat Saber. So congratulations on that. You know, I mean, that's that's a portfolio company, right? So yep. it got acquired. So so can you talk a little bit more about your portfolio companies besides Beat Saber, I believe Alchemy Labs also has been acquired. So, are there yep. any further uh, immediate acquisitions that you would like to share with them? Uh, unfortunately, nothing that I can talk about. But right, you know, right. I do think it's interesting where you know Alchemy Labs with Job Simulator, they made the first successful uh, VR hit game, and they were acquired by Google, and that was Google's first time acquiring a game studio. And then uh, you know Beat Saber was the first uh, or the second most the second successful hit VR game. Uh, and then they were Facebook's first gaming acquisition, which is kind of crazy. I think uh, subsequently Facebook acquired another gaming company. But, you know, just to think again that, that these are interesting opportunities now that a lot of times people wouldn't have really thought about before that, oh, game companies being acquired, especially, you know, especially by a Facebook and a, and a Google, by major technology companies, that was pretty unheard of. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the things I would really take, though, are that these are indie teams, right? Like these aren't big, huge funded studios, you know, I, and this is the message I really want to get to your audience as well. Like the story about Beat Saber that I think, again, is so important to understand is originally developed by a core team of three devs in the Czech Republic. They had no connections to Oculus, no connections to Valve or HTC or anyone, you know, they just were passionate uh, you know, app developer making uh, great, very artistic and well-designed mobile games, but never had a big hit before, right? But they were really good, talented team, working hard. They worked on Beat Saber. They took a core idea and they just polished it, refined it, and made it beautiful. And what's really interesting about it is they use this idea of early access. On Steam, you can launch a game and it doesn't have to be a full game. It can be a beta. 
and it didn't have to be feature complete. You know, if you had come to me and said, hey, Tip Tat, I want to pitch you a game to fund or a game studio to fund. The first game they're going to build is a music rhythm game. It's going to have 10 unlicensed songs created by the CEO and it's just single player. I would be like, wow, that, that, that doesn't sound like enough of a game, right? Like most music games are 40 levels with your favorite artist and it has to have multiplayer, right? Like that's the bare minimum, right? But with just that small feature set that they refined and polished great VR first gameplay and built something so beautiful and then made fantastic mixed reality marketing videos that went viral, when they launched, I think within the first week or two, they'd already made a million dollars. Within the first month, they'd made $2 million. So, you know, that's a success. That could, if it can come from the Czech Republic, yeah. self-published, it could come from anywhere, right? right. It, right. Could come from, it could come from Bombay. It could come right. from Singapore. It could come from Bangkok, right? Like that possibility of, you know, and, and the market's only grown since, right? Like that was two years ago. Now the market's even bigger. And, you know, again, we're seeing success most of the, like so when we look at the market right uh last year there was about 300 million in software revenue and th what that represents though is there's over a hundred developers that or a hundred titles that have made over a million dollars in revenue and most of those titles had budgets of under a million dollars so they were break even or profitable like you know especially when you compare it to something like mobile in mobile gaming Right now, there's a thousand apps, a thousand games being launched every day. And unless you have a million dollar a month marketing spend, no one's even going to download your game. But Beat Saber, with just you know less than a million dollars, probably less than half a million dollars of development budget, no marketing spend, able to make two million dollars in a month. You know, so you know, seeing like you know again where that's going and yeah, and how big that's become. Uh, yeah, I, I I feel like again that's the blueprint that I would say other developers should really look at is you know build a VR first game. Don't overbuild. Use early access. Get it out there. See if people respond to it. And if people don't like playing it, if people aren't engaging with it, move on to the next idea. But definitely, you know, don't you know just think about what it means to be a VR first game. Don't you know? And and the takeaway too, I would say is you know. It's not about saying, hey, I need to make another music rhythm game or I need to make a slicing game. Like when, when I looked at Alchemy Labs, I feel like with Job Simulator, they share in their DNA a lot of the same ideas that then Beat Saber took to the next level with, you know, a very you know, pure VR first design, right? Like gameplay that only works in VR, that feels good in VR. And then using that kind of mixed reality videos, uh, having game that's infinitely replayable, but easy to understand, easy to pick up, uh, you know, not trying to be like the other games, not trying to be a first person shooter, not trying to be, you know, some racing car game that, you know, don't do like zig when other people are zagging, right? Like do something right. different. Uh, and, and I feel like they really nailed it. And um, so, yeah, I feel like the next game, the next big hit in VR uh, from an indie studio, it won't look like a Beat Saber. It won't look like an alchemy, but I think it'll take a lot of those ideas of like rich, that deep gameplay design, satisfactory gameplay design. Um, that's VR first, VR native. And then, um, you know, and I, I think that again is, is all you, not all you need, but the majority of what you need to make a hit.
right? I, I think simplicity works. And, and, and what this shows is that, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a hardworking entrepreneur, you don't really need big funds. You just need a great idea. You need to keep it simple and basic. And you could be any sitting in any part of the world and you, you at this point in time, because of internet, it, it yeah. gives you know, the resources to get in touch with whoever and build your company and build your idea. And yes, I mean, there's millions waiting out there. So, so tell me as an investor, what gets you most excited in a, in a startup? Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I think this is also why I love VRAR. It's like you try it. And if you try it and you have a visceral reaction to it, you're like, okay, this is special. This feels unique. Uh, and what, what I think, you know, again, I kind of said this before, but you know, VR native or where VR is the difference maker. And this applies to enterprise applications too. Like when we did uh, an investment in a company called Vivid Vision, they actually do uh, corrective eye therapy. They, make your, they strengthen your eyesight in VR. And what's really amazing is, so uh, the founder, he had diplopia or lazy eye. And so that means one eye is strong, one eye is weak. Right. So currently the way you treat that is you take a piece of paper and you do these eye exercises. You look around, right? But uh, that only works when you're a juvenile, when you're a kid, when you're an adult, that, that method of curing yourself does, no longer helps. So the founder you know, created a VR version of the eye, uh, eye exercises, essentially, and eye tests, and was able to you know, cure himself of his own diplopia, and then tested it. And what they found was that this new methodology of course, it worked for kids and worked better than the traditional tests, but it also worked for adults who couldn't be cured by the traditional test. So th that, that's where, again, like VR does, does the impossible. Like, right. It's great if it makes it faster and cheaper, but it's best when it does something that couldn't have been done before. Right. right. Yeah. So, so what are your views on a, 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 the India market or the Asia market? I'm sure, I mean, you, have you been to India? Have you ever, ever been to India? No, honestly, I've never been to India. Um, yeah, I just haven't had a chance or an opportunity to go. Hopefully when things calm down and, you know, maybe I'll be able to come visit. Um, but, you know, I, I go to Southeast Asia a lot, which is fairly close. And I go right. to China pretty often. Right. Uh, but, you know, one, one of the things I, I see too is, you know, the ecosystems, uh, they're just early. It, you know, it, it's... You know, there's not much uh, support from the hardware companies to do right. adoption, right? Like right. in uh, in India and in some of these uh, other markets, and so I think that makes it hard. Right. Um, I, I think as well as, you know, again, if you don't have access to dev kits, it's hard for you to build on top. It's hard to like show people what you're doing, um, and that. But you know, I, I think the need is definitely there. I think the, the opportunity to make something really big is definitely there, but. Uh, and again, I'm not as familiar with anybody. When I look at the Thailand ecosystem and uh, you know, Southeast Asia, I kind of also feel like too, like they're like still going through the smartphone e-commerce revolution. And so it's like, do they really want to focus on the next thing when they're you know, they're still doing the current thing and that's still big and booming? Whereas at least in the U.S., you know, the, the smartphone revolution is pretty mature now. And so now that way, it, it's more compelling for early stage entrepreneurs to go to find the next platform. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah, completely. So, so yes, I mean, so uh, India, I'll just give you a little brief on the India market over here. So yeah, please. Yeah, 1.3 billion people, right? So, uh, so it, it's a huge market opportunity. Geo, Geo happens to be the biggest telecom company over here. And what they've done, they've gotten the price point of data to almost a, uh, 
like a couple of cents, right? So the connectivity has happened all over India. We've got some, we've got 1.3 billion people and currently I believe that we're close to around five, five, 600 or 700 odd people who are connected to internet, right? With high, high speed band, the bandwidth. So things are looking good over here. Geo has got into virtual reality. They're building their own MR headset. They, they're building, uh, 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 they're building gaming, uh, they, they're creating content. And besides that, I'm just going to give you a lowdown on what's happening in India. Yeah, yeah, so, no, this is great. <laughs> yeah, so, so there's this uh, music director called A.R. Rahman. I'm sure you must have heard about him. He's done the music score for Slumdog Millionaire. And he's one of the biggest music composers over here. So he's directed, produced a VR film called Le Mask. And he partnered with Intel and Kaleidoscope for that. And uh, besides that, there are these Bollywood feature films. Now, Bollywood, Bollywood is huge, right, over here. So uh, cricket is a religion, so is Bollywood. So for in, in the Bollywood space, there are these, some of the like the, the biggest uh, uh, grossing film of all time called Bahubali uh, had a VR edit. Uh, then uh, there, there are other small small indie films uh, like Phobia had a VR edit. So people are like kind of exploring that. Though we lack the the partnership with uh, you know the, the west to, so to like create like really cutting edge vr content we are all trying to explore i myself uh, got into uh, vr in 2016 early 2016 and since there was a lack of uh, you know accessibility of getting the right uh, tools to build content we built our own 18 camera stereoscopic rig we built our own uh, uh, robotic dolly back then i think in early 2016 google was building their 16 camera array odyssey we we sure. added top 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 down bottom you know and, and we built it that upon a time so yes i think it's it's slowly and steadily it, it's moving like i said i mean there are some uh, quite a lot of gaming studios are adopting ar vr there is bollywood who is looking at ar vr enterprise obviously is looking at ar vr oan a big way and i personally am pushed driving the ecosystem because i see that if only the ecosystem is there we'll be able to sustain this would you be uh, open to advising mentoring or investing in indian startups post you understand uh, the, the ecosystem sure. Yeah, of course. I'm always happy to talk to anyone and give advice and learn from you as well. So uh, I'm always open to, to to talking with entrepreneurs globally. On the investment side, it gets a little tricky. Like you know, a lot of times too, when we invest globally, we like to have a local partner, VC partner, because again, we don't understand a lot of the uh, you know corporate governance of Indian startups, right? Like we, we so we'd want someone that's kind of closer to the ground to help us understand and navigate that, and especially if you're hitting the the Indian market, which is something that we don't understand at all. So, yeah, again, we would look for the right partners to kind of help us, at least on the investment side. But, you know, in terms of just knowledge share and seeing what works and seeing what's not working, always happy to talk to entrepreneurs and you know, anyone I can be helpful to. So to the startups who are listening and, you know, to uh, what, the ones who are like clueless on how to, uh, you know, get funding, can you explain how pitching works, when to approach an investor, how to do valuation, term sheets, legalities, and sure, the nuances sure, sure. to get in invest etc. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Again, uh, yeah. I think you got to understand too. There's no one size fits all answer. I'll give you some general guidelines, but there's always push and pull. Uh, yeah. But the, the basics of it again is like, you know, what when do you approach an investor? I think is probably one of the most uh, important questions. And what type of investor? I think is also very important as well.
So you have different classes of investors. I would start with like, you know, friends and family and angel investors. Those are the first tier investors that kind of help you when you have an idea and you want to build a prototype, right? Once you've built that prototype, uh, then, you know, uh, an MVP or, or not even an MVP, but once you prove a, a prototype or a tech demo that shows that you're capable of realizing parts of your vision, uh, that you can build something that you eventually will you'll take to market, that's when you'll approach incubators, accelerators, and seed funds, right? Uh, then once you have a product that's kind of in the market and getting some early traction, that's when you start interacting with more institutional investors, like uh, you know, Series A investors, um, and of course there are investors like us that do seed and Series A, right? So you do the early stage, you talk to early stage investors. Then once you start having you know, uh, millions of revenue, especially you know, on the software, on the enterprise side, like ARR revenue, that's when you're really gonna do your, your you know, uh, either a proper Series A or a later stage, uh, you know, that's when you start doing even bigger investments, right? And that's kind of the, the, the journey, uh, the types of investors you talk to, kind of where you are in terms of the product cycle and market fit, right? Uh, the other things, you know, when you're talking about, okay, what are terms, what are valuations, those are always kind of, especially before you make any revenue, it's always a little bit of what the market will bear. Um, but it's also, you know, a factor of, you know, your experience, your team, what have you done before, right? Um, you know, the market opportunity, um, you know, how much do you need to make this happen, essentially, right? Uh, and in terms of like how you raise, what are the terms, what, what do you want to do? I think Y Combinator has a lot of great resources and I would use that. You know, they have a nice kind of safe note for the very early stages. Um, you know, also, um, yeah, I don't know what, what type of uh, banking services they have for entrepreneurs, but like, you know, in the US we have tons of, you know, banks that are very entrepreneur friendly, especially tech entrepreneur friendly, like Silicon Valley Bank is a great one and a bunch of others as well. Um, but they all kind of have, best practices, standard docs for all of those, like, you know, raising convertible note, raising safe, or raising actual e equity rounds. So tell me, how excited are you of the future of XR and what's your moonshot? Honestly, I'm so excited. I feel like right now, especially with the Quest, I feel like Quest has re-energized. It's really the first true consumer uh, XR device, uh, first XR device in, in public. Because again, six degrees of freedom head tracking, six degrees of freedom hand tracking. It's great for gaming, but we're also seeing it being used for surgical training, you know, eye, vision therapy, for data visualization. I mean, there's so many different applications. It, it is, uh, you know, a lot of what, what we were hoping for, you know, when we dreamed of what VR could be. And, you know, I think the only problem I think is, you know, Facebook can't make enough of them and there are not enough companies competing with Facebook to make this more accessible to, to everyone. So, you know, I hope that, you know, especially in like uh, markets like India and, and others that, that, that the major technology or telco players that are thinking about headsets, you know, go into the market, with, work with Qualcomm, use their reference design, make sure it has six degrees of freedom head tracking and hand tracking. So you can actually do more. It, it needs to be more than just the display. It needs to be an input device. It needs to be a computing platform. And that's when we're gonna unlock a lot more use cases. And in terms of moonshots or just things I'm excited about, like honestly, my, my big wish for VR is that, you know, this is, a problem that we're kind of seeing in the US in particular, but like I think there's this digital divide, like people that participate in the digital economy are doing better than the people that are not. 
and the digital economy because it's not resource constrained it's really just imagination constrained right like you know we think about more and more people are working in the digital economy right the interface um to doing digital work today is a keyboard and mouse maybe a you know a wacom digitizing pen right but it's like working with 2d interfaces to interact a lot of times with 3d digital worlds it's just makes no sense or it's just harder to do now if we could interact with the digital world in a natural way using vr we have perfect one-to-one -one gesture manipulation right we see the world in a natural way in vr we move around we want to get closer to something we don't scroll and wheel a mouse we just actually lean forward right like that's the way the world works that's the way we've been evolved to work if we can make the digital world behave more like the natural world i think more people can be a part of the digital economy so my moonshot is to say can we reimagine digital work to be the way that humans want to work and i think that's the big idea thank you for being part of xrm podcast and to my listeners if you like what you see in here please press the subscribe button like always i'm going to leave behind all the details of the department down below so that you can get in touch because this is about building a community and growing the ar vr ecosystem together because this is a fantastic technology and so once it matures i think it's going to be transformational so thank you mr department for being part of xrm podcast really appreciate it to my guests see you bye bye thank you excellent thank you eddie we're really thank glad you. to be a part of it